Welcome to the Crowd Church Podcast. We are an online church and you are listening to the service that we also live stream on YouTube and Facebook. For more information about Crowd Church, please visit our website at www.crowd.church. Well, good evening and welcome to Crowd Church. My name is Matt Edmondson and beside me are, well, what can only be described as very beautiful people, Chris and Sue Holcomb. Chris and Sue, good evening. How are we doing? Good, you can hear me now, uh, which is which is a, ben- a, a blessing, really. Uh, well, it might not be, I don't know. <laughs> so welcome to Crowd. If this is your first time with us, we are an online church. Uh, it's great that you're here. Do join in uh, in the comments on Facebook or YouTube or wherever you're watching this. Uh, if you're watching it live, it'd be great to hear from you. If you're watching this on Catch Up, as I know many folks do, uh, you can still also write in the comments. Um, and uh, we would love to see what you've got to say. You can also reach out to us via the website, www.crowd.church. Uh, on that website, you can connect with us, you can email us, and you can even uh, WhatsApp us, which is great. So yes, welcome, uh, welcome one and all. So uh, what's Matt Crew here? Oh, you're echoing, Matt. Oh, am I echoing badly? That'll be a, something that we will resolve during the talk. <laughs> I'm not quite sure why it's doing that. Okay, so um, as you may or may not know, we are, well, we're in a bit of a crisis at the moment, aren't we, where the Ukraine is concerned and what is going on over there. And so we want to take a little bit of time at the start of the service to pray for the Ukraine before we get into uh, the main section of today where we talk about what does the Bible say about cancer. So, uh, before we go too much further, uh, let's, John, if this is okay, John, by the way, is behind the scenes doing production, so uh, be kind to John. Uh, John, let's do the video uh, that is a prayer for Ukraine, and then Chris, Sue, and I will be back after this, but do join in with this prayer. Here we go. Father God, King of all nations, we cry out to you now for the people of Ukraine. We ask you to rescue those who are vulnerable from the hands of their enemies, that they may live life without fear before you all of their days. Lord, have mercy. Lord of Lords and Prince of Peace, our politicians are predicting the biggest war in Europe since 1945. And we simply cry out to you urgently to write another story in our time. Thwart the dark machinations of evil men. Give wisdom beyond human wisdom to peacemakers seeking an equitable and less violent way. May politicians exercise the wisdom from above which is peaceable, gentle, willing to yield and full of mercy. Lord have mercy. Holy Spirit, we pray for the church in Ukraine, a nation in which 70% of the population call themselves Christian. Give our many brothers and sisters in that nation courage in this crisis, that they may proclaim the good news of your kingdom, bind up broken hearts, and bring comfort to all who mourn. Lord, have mercy. You, Lord, make war cease to the end of the earth. You break bows, shatter spears, and burn shields with fire. And so we ask you now to save the lives of many people in Ukraine. Make a peace that is strong and not weak. De-escalate this crisis. We hear of wars and rumors of wars, but you, Lord, are our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer. Our hope is in you. And so we address the nations now. In the name of Jesus, we say, Be still and know God. He is exalted among the nations. He shall be exalted in the earth. Lord, have mercy. 
Okay, well then we've got John. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hold on, one second. <laughs> so there we go. So that was John just making a brief interlude into the crowd stream service. Uh, do bear with us. It's the first time John's done production uh, by himself, fine solo. So uh, that's quite funny. <laughs> And you're doing a great job, John. Keep going, but keep going. It's great. Uh, so, and we've now got Chris and Sue back, which is awesome. So, welcome, Chris and Sue. So, the Ukraine um, and the war and the invade the invasion of it. Um, we're hitting, we're not here to make political statements, but we are here to pray for people, which is why we ran that prayer. And it is a wonderful prayer. We are going to put it on social media. Um, Pete Gregg from 24-7 uh, did that prayer. So you can join in uh, with that. Chris and Sue, I don't know what you make of uh, what's happening in the Ukraine at the moment. Have you got any thoughts on this whole thing? Uh, it's just extraordinary, isn't it, that you wouldn't believe... I mean, it's so much like us, aren't they, that, that, that there's a normal society, a normal country, people going about their jobs, going out for meals, going down the pub or whatever they have in Ukraine, and then just in the space of couple of days, everything has changed, you know, it's like, like some of the debated Liverpool, you know, it's, it's that, yeah. isn't it, and um, I, I can't end up thinking other than Putin is an, is an evil man, actually, and um, I, I, yeah, we, we, almost in the West, we've forgotten what evil is, is. you know, we're, we're, you know, everyone can think what they like, everyone can be who they want to be, and everyone's basically good, but actually evil, is a thing, you know, man, it's mm. difficult to see anything other than Putin's uh, an evil person. Some stuff in the paper today, just, just listing the stuff he's done over 10 or 15 years, actually, um, and without any pushback. And um, mm. maybe there needs to be a little pushback. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? And it's, um, it's one of those, if you're joining us, um, uh, on the catch-up and you're watching this you know beyond the broadcast and we, we don't actually know what the future holds um we don't know where it's going to lead to or what's going to happen but this week was the week that putin decided to invade the ukraine um and so i think it is crazy and as christians we we pray and that's what we do because we believe that god changes things and it's not just trite to say it we do believe in the power of prayer so do pray uh, for those in the Ukraine and look for ways to help. Um, and we'll, we'll be doing more on this uh, in the coming weeks, I've no doubt. Um, but I just wanted to touch base at the start here and say, yes, we are standing with our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine and also with our brothers and sisters in Russia who are obviously very anti the war. There's a lot of anti-war sentiment over there. Um, and so uh it's not great uh, we know it's not great and yeah just keep praying just keep praying so uh with all of that said today we are asking what does the bible say about cancer and uh very different track to what's going off in the ukraine and chris and sue have joined me again if you remember if you're with us a few weeks ago chris and sue were actually with us talking about health and what does the bible say about health Today we are talking about what does the Bible say about cancer. And I wanted Chris and Sue back for for what? I mean, apart from you know your smart, sparkling smiles and your amazing personalities, you have a you have a specific skill set uh, that I certainly don't have that I thought would really help us. Uh, do you want to let the good folks know what that is? Um, I'm a breast cancer surgeon uh, here in Liverpool and have been so for several decades now. So uh, I'm a breast cancer surgeon here. I'm a breast advanced nurse practitioner, so I've worked with patients with breast cancer and been the diagnosis with breast cancer for um, probably about 20 years in that area um, and 10 years, more or less 10 years, but 7 to 10 years before that on looking mm. at uh, clinical trials based on treatments for breast cancer. Um, so, you know, I guess both of us have this knowledge of cancer and how it can affect you as a family right mm. from the young to the elderly so yeah we've got a bit of experience in that area a, lo a, a little bit <laughs> a few decades worth of experience both as a a surgeon and a nurse, and we'll maybe argue out later who who knows the most, whether it's the surgeon or the nurse. I don't know. 
<laughs> we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but today is a little bit different. And I'll tell you why, because um, today we don't actually have a talk per se. Now, if you're a regular to crowd, um, what we tend to do is we have like a 20-minute talk uh, where someone brings some teaching from Scripture, and then we talk about it in Conversation Street. Today's a little bit different because um, the person that... Uh, in theory is doing the talk wanted to do it as an interview and and it just works super well where i get to sit down with a beautiful lady called annie Odin and uh get to talk to her about her story with breast cancer now she is a christian she is the wife of tony Odin, who was on the on the podcast on the live stream uh on the church service a few weeks ago talking about the church um uh, annie is tony's wife she is a beautiful lady. Annie and I have been friends for a very long time. And a few years ago, she had struggled with breast cancer. And I really wanted to hear from her and hear her story about this whole thing, about what the Bible says about breast cancer. So we're going to roll this interview with Annie. We are then going to have uh, a worship song uh, that will play straight after the talk. After that, Chris and Sue and myself will be back to talk about uh, this whole thing uh, around cancer. So without further ado, John, uh, do you want to roll the uh, interview with Anna? diagnosed with cancer it was in uh 2008 um yes no. quite a number of years ago now um thank god i'm still here <laughs> and uh i'm well now but it was in 2008 in january and do you remember what happened yeah i do of course um on a monday morning which is normally the day off uh with tony because tony is a pass obviously uh, so Monday is our only day off, and uh, I was working as a chaplain in HMP Holloway at the time, um, which is a or was a female prison. And yeah, that Monday morning I woke up, everything was fine, was looking forward to my wonderful day off, uh, when I noticed a lump on my breast, and, and I thought, this, this wasn't there yesterday. Uh, I, it, I, yeah, it was just a total surprise. Wow. Um, yeah, and then uh, then we went to uh, to uh, show Tony. Tony thought, yeah, we need to go to the GP. Um, we went. He confirmed that there's definitely a lump and um, sent us to, well, uh, referred us to the Bart's Cancer Center, mm. um, and that was. A few days later, actually, that I was uh, able to be seen. But on that very day, on that Monday evening, I was praying, and I was, I was quite, obviously I was quite shocked uh, to have found a lump. At that point in time, I didn't know, you know, was it cancer? What was it? Yeah. Um, but I prayed, and I really felt such a sense of God in that moment. Okay. Um, and and I felt that. God was saying to me, uh, not with an audible voice or anything like that, but just that inner sense of uh, knowing uh, what is to come. So, um, and what what I felt God say was um, that it is cancer and that it had spread and that I would have to go through treatment, um, that he wouldn't just miraculously heal me. Those were the th things um, that I felt God speak to me. And that was on the Monday night? 
That was all on a Monday night. That was, that was first... one heck of a Monday. Jeez. It was uh, not my best day off, I must say. <laughs> so, no Jeez. And so I'm, I'm really fascinated to know what your what your mindset was like at the end of the day, where you, after you felt God say to you, you, you have got cancer, it has spread, and you're going to need treatment. I mean, there are three radical things that, you know, that God speaks. Um, where are you at Monday night when you, when you sense this? Um, it's, well, obviously, I was, I was completely confused in some ways. Um, and at the same time, I, I did feel that it was, I wasn't out of control. Um, so I wasn't totally devastated. I was obviously in shock. Um, but just that reassurance that almost, um, that, that conversation, that prayer with God, that, that I wasn't alone, that God knew exactly what was going on. And that, mm. that reassured me intensely. Monday. So did you tell Tony on Monday night what you felt God had said to you? Yes, I did. And, and that's why, I mean, his response was, uh, well, let's not jump ahead of ourselves and, you know, let's just get the results first, not pre preempt kind of things, which is good advice. Um, yeah. But I wasn't, I wasn't panicking or anything like that. I was obviously, uh, yeah, I was stunned, but I wasn't yeah. panicking. Um, and then on the Thursday when we went to the hospital, they did all the tests. I had the mammogram, I had scans, I had a biopsy. And by the end of Thursday, I knew I had cancer. I knew it had spread. So, I mean, within the space of four days, your life has turned upside down quite a bit. The thing that I like what you said there was that you were confused, but you knew it wasn't out of control, as in you were confused, you're in turmoil. Um, this thing is, 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 is heavy duty, but you, you sense that God was with you and it wasn't out of control. It, was this something you thought, no, I've, I've got to fight for this um, way of yes, thinking? It, it definitely uh, it didn't come just you know, at ease. And mm. I did pray a lot and I read the Bible that, that night and, and different passages and, and, you know, yes, it was something to, to come to, um, you know, after really searching myself and, and also thinking I, I had so many different plans, you know, and I thought God had these plans for my life and suddenly mm. it, it was interrupted that, the, you know, the plans we had were completely interrupted. How did you come to terms with the idea that actually life could be cut a lot shorter than you'd expected it to? The, the, come into terms with the whole idea of dying young? I, I mean, I'm not sure if I ever came to terms with it because mm. obviously I was still waiting for news of what uh, what the results of the tests were. But uh, at some point, I, I came to the conclusion whether I die or whether I live, you know, I want to live for God or mm -hmm. I want to, you know, I want to, yeah, I want to follow Jesus to the best of my ability, whether that is, you know, living well for a short time or for a long time and um, here on earth. Um, I think that the, what really uh, helps me or helped me was just to know that, you know, if I die, that's not the end. Yeah. You know, there is there is uh, heaven to be gained. And, you know, um, it says that we die once and then the judgment and, you know, but then uh, Jesus is uh, is alive, you know, and he he um, he gives us another um, another chance. He, he he saves us from the second death. And mm. I mean, that's a complicated uh <laughs> Theological, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> theological thing, but I, I just, uh, I just love uh, the fact that I know, you know, Jesus, um, Jesus is there, you know, on the other side of of death. For me, as a Christian, yeah. Jesus is going to be there, waiting for me, and that that's my comfort, and that was wow. my comfort then. When you found out that it was treatable, the stage three, was there a sort of a sense of relief? that yes, was with definitely. that it's it it was amazing um because i just thought okay this is it's going to be difficult it's hard but you know at least there is hope um that you know 
that I will have a few more years. Um, it depends how the, the treatment, or how I would respond to the treatment, but, but it was definitely a, a great relief. Yeah. Uh, I felt, yeah, it was, it was a bit like a ton of bricks falling off my shoulders. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. I mean, and this, take, this sort of goes back to that whole first night you were praying where you felt God say, mm. it is cancer, it has spread, and you are going to need treatment to get out of this. Yes, in some ways, you know, you 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 believe these things, and you hear you 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 may have a sense of God in uh, at one point, and then you know, I don't know, life takes over, and and there's a lot of doubts and mm -hmm. difficulties, and because you don't have results back, there's still that sense: Have I really understood this right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, have I really heard God, or am I making this up myself? <laughs> but I, I I did have an inner sense that I did. Mm. But, you know, you just don't know, do you? No. I mean, you know, we are human and we have uh, a lot of wishful thinking, too. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You mentioned, Annie, journey. that when you found out you were going to have to do chemo, um, that uh, there was a whole lot of identity things tied up in that. What did you mean by that statement? Well, because, I mean, obviously... Um, the side effects of chemotherapy um, were to lose all one's hair. Um, That's a very British way to say it, to lose all of one's hair. <laughs> it is. Yeah, you're definitely British now, Annie. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's not just, uh, you know, my, my hair here. <laughs> it's the eyebrows, it's the eyelashes, yeah. it's all bodily hair. Yeah which uh, is just such a, a weird thing. In initial stages, you still have the eyebrows with this particular chemo, and that's okay. But then when they go, then and the eyelashes, it you just look so different. Mm. And it cannot, you know, it, it's quite, uh, makeup can't make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it, it helps, mm -hmm. uh, but, um, but, yeah, it's... It's just very difficult killed. You know, when you're when you're sweating, the the sweat runs right into the eyes. Mm. It's it's those kind of things mm. that it's just it's just hard. It's difficult to explain if one hasn't experienced that. Yeah. But um, but yeah, having no hair obviously is a huge thing for anyone. Mm -hmm. But I think for women particularly, uh, extremely difficult to face. Yeah. Um, and you know, and and having a husband who sees you in, you know, when, when you've got the wig on or when you don't, um, that was, was I, I didn't know quite what to make of it. It was really difficult as the hair fell mm -hmm. out. Um, you know, it's, it's such a shocking thing. It, it actually happened much quicker than I thought it would mm -hmm. happen. And were there any other side effects of your treatment? Yeah, uh, I had uh, in the... The, with the chemo, I had a lot of pain mm -hmm. uh, in the last stage uh, of the chemotherapy, a lot of pain. Then during my surgery, uh, I had a complication, which uh, was actually a very, very serious complication. Um, it, I, was a I was a case study in the end, so I was losing a lot of lymph fluid. Um, uh, like, yeah. It's not nice to talk about, but far more than um, every day, far mm -hmm. more than someone else who, who, who would, after 10 days, be finished with that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they would, after 10 days, have not lost as much fluids as mm -hmm. I did in one day. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, yeah, it was a very serious complication where the lymph duct had been severed and I needed to uh, have um, surgery to have that repaired. And I think you actually came and visited me, Matt, in hospital after that surgery. Mm. And, um, yeah, I didn't look my best, I believe. <laughs> Neither did I, Annie, to be fair. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, I was very unwell when mm. you came and visited me. And uh, it was probably my lowest period of time mm. because I'd been already in hospital for such a long time. Yeah. Um, and this complication just totally threw me. My body was so weak. Um, and I was in agony, mm. in absolute agony for a long time. So yeah, this whole process, Annie, I mean, we, we were friends before the cancer. We've been friends since the cancer. It's one of those things, isn't it? When you're, 
when you're sort of going through life, you have an experience or an expectation of God. You have an understanding of God and, and a kind of theory as to how your life's going to progress in some way. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And then you're hit smack in the face, like, you know, like a train has just come and walloped you um, sideways. Um, and you realize, actually, it's not quite like you said at the start, you know, it's not quite as you as you planned it. Did that challenge your faith? Did that rock your faith um, in Christ during that time? Not really. Uh, it's quite interesting that it didn't, um, because I think I've had some other crises before in my life. Mm. They rocked my faith a bit more uh, in, a, in, a, in a sense that I had to really wrestle with God. Mm -hmm. You know, why me? But this this situation um, with the cancer didn't. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't, in terms of it didn't um, undermine my faith. It didn't make me doubt God. Mm. In fact, there were so many situations where I just saw God's hand in my life. I mean, the day I went to the, my first chemo treatment, my friend Becky came with me. And, and I, this is Becky I that went so, wig shopping, Becky. Yes, the one that yeah. I went week shopping with. And and I had such a joy in my heart that I couldn't mm. explain. That was so weird. Um, and just the, and an excitement in that sense, what good God might do mm. through all of this. Um, and it was just so unnatural, mm. just not something that you would, would ever feel normally. And so, so I do, I, I can only testify that God was truly with me that mm. there was a I wasn't walking that walk alone I mm. had obviously my friends I had uh, my husband and my family from afar supporting me um, but you know God being there was was the biggest mm. support and and not just in terms of just having a feeling but but also you know throughout those weeks and months um, you know, there were lots of scriptures, lots of Bible verses that really helped me. Um, and, uh, and I wouldn't say it was one specific verse that mm -hmm. really that was the formula that got me through <laughs> it. But actually, so many Bible verses, mm. so many passages mm. and reading the Bible regularly every morning. And, and, you know, so I love the Psalms. So I would read a number of Psalms. Uh, a, one chapter in Proverbs and then different passages from mm. the New Testament, the Old Testament, and different things spoke to me and and kind of encouraged me mm. at different times. Looking back then, um, you know, over the sort of the last uh, eight to ten years, what did you what did you learn in this whole process about your about God's genomina? from a Christian point of view, what, what are some of the big takeaways that you, you've, you've sort of gleaned? Well, I think probably a lot. Um, just how important Christian community is, mm -hmm. um, that we need others. Uh, we can't do this, this kind of life without, without brothers and sisters or Christian friends who pray, who are there uh, when we need a meal or, need someone to go to to uh, an appointment or things mm -hmm. like that. Um, yeah, we're just, you know, we're interdependent. I think that's mm -hmm. one big lesson that we need, uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, uh, the fact, I, I think, you know, God is merciful. Mm -hmm. God is merciful that he's a, a God who has compassion on us, whether we've done right or wrong. You know, God is a God who has mercy on us if we call on him. Mm -hmm. And that that's something that um, that's one of the big lessons. You know, I've, I've done lots of things wrong and I've not always had the right attitude. And, you know, nevertheless, God has shown me mercy over mm. and over and over again. Um, yeah. So just the faithfulness of God in, uh, in, in just being there and, um, and stepping into situations when we're desperate. Mm. And there were so many more situations would take a lifetime, <laughs> not quite lifetime, but there is a, a lot of other situations where, uh, where I just saw God's miraculous hand in mm. some ways, uh, mm. to, to really 
rescue me out of situations. Just the fact that God is not just um, someone who wants us to obey rules, but he's, uh, who, he's a good father. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus is a good friend and, mm-hmm. um, and cares for us. How do we help someone who has been diagnosed with cancer if we don't have cancer? If we stand on the outside, it, like knowing what to say or what to do, it, everyone sort of goes into a cold sweat about it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, how yeah. do we do that? So, you, 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 I mean, you shared some of the stories there, but how can people help people that have been diagnosed with cancer? That's a good question. I think, um, I think there are so many different ways and every person is different. And that's why I think it's, uh, the best thing is to actually ask ask how they might want to be supported, mm. uh, what they would appreciate. Would they appreciate someone to visit? Would they appreciate a lift? Um, you know, those kind of things. Have conversations. But also, I think, um, just words of encouragement, cards. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that somebody did for me, when because I used to work in the, hospi- uh, in, in, in the prison, and um, they got the, one of the chaplains got all the colleagues and, and prisoners to write things um, to me, what, you know, what I meant mm, to them. Mm. And somebody painted this lovely picture and, uh, and they sent it to me as a package. And it was fantastic. Oh, wow. It really made such a difference. Mm. So I think there are so many creative ways of, of mm. helping someone. Um, uh, which with physical needs, but also to look out for them. If, if they are Christians who are coming to a church service, they might be really quite insecure mm. when they're, um, you know, when they're in that phase and might not want to be in public spaces. At the moment, it's even more difficult with the COVID mm. uh, situation where, where people are at risk of infection and obviously the immune system is, is compromised when mm. somebody has cancer. So just navigating that in a sensitive, sensitive way is, is really important, I think. Uh, but maybe if, if they do come to church and they want to be in church, um, to, to ask them if they want someone to come in with them or mm-hmm. to sit with them. Um, and not always just to ask about mm-hmm. how, the, how the chemo is going or how this is going, but actually sharing your own life with mm-hmm. your own kind of situations, life problems with with the person, because mm-hmm. I think sometimes it can become so inward focused that it's unhealthy for a person to really yeah. just dwell on on uh, on what's going on in their own life. It's really helpful sometimes to hear, oh, someone else's problems, yeah. someone else's issues, and and that really can refocus you, and and uh, it, it's helpful. Annie, listen, I, it's been great. Thank you so much for, for sharing your story. Uh, it's been a I, pleasure. And um, I, I appreciate you doing that. And I know it's not always easy to, to, to relive some of these, these times. But um, yeah. I think, you know, people will, will watch this and, and maybe struggling with the same thing. Um, mm. As we close out, is there anything that if maybe someone is watching this that has cancer, what would you say to them? Yeah, I, I think I would say um, put your hope in a God who really cares for you. Um, he cares and uh, he knows what you're going through and he can help you. Please pray to him and, and read his word. Um, and I, I'm sure that will be of help. Uh, it, there is no magic formula, but, uh, but God is, is a personable God and, uh, reach out to him and he will reach out to you. He's a God who's with us. God, Emmanuel. Awesome. And on that bombshell, Annie, thank you so much. Yeah. Wonderful to be with you. Thank you, Matt, for asking. And, uh, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks. How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son To make a wretch His treasure How great 
pain of searing loss The Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to go thank you annie for sharing your story uh, i loved my interview with annie and let me tell you that was a 20 minute excerpt from uh, about a 55 minute conversation so there's a lot of stuff we had to leave out which we will be putting the full interview on the new podcast which is coming out very very soon uh, so you'll be able to hear the whole of annie's story uh the, the whole of the interview the bits that we that we had and the bits that we didn't have in the podcast coming up so Thank you, Annie. Chris, Sue, what did you make to Annie's story? I'm sure it's something that you've heard a number of times over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, a very human story, isn't it? A very common story. And um, yeah, I, mean, I guess a couple of things stood out immediately. It's that, it's that patients um, feel a lump in the shower at eight o'clock in the morning. They pretty got much got the funeral planned by nine o'clock. Um, yeah, and assume the worst. And, and actually, important to say that most people who find a breast lump is not cancer. It's very important to say about one in twenty, one in thirty of those who come to us actually have cancer. Um, but another thing she um, uh, said, which something I often say, something similar to my uh, patients, that she is so. If I said to you over a glass of wine or a pint or whatever, will you live forever? You would say, well, what a stupid question. Obviously not. But actually, we live our lives day by day as if we will. We sort of mm. expect that our children will get married, that we'll see grandchildren, that we'll, we'll do all of those things. And what breast cancer does is it, it's right, right there in your face and says, oh, hang on, all of a sudden, maybe that's not going to happen. You know, may, you know, 
actually I am, I'm not immortal. Um, maybe these things won't happen. So it's that sort of existential threat, with, mm. which of course is where faith and knowing God absolutely comes in. And, uh, you know, again, as Annie so clearly showed, um, it, it's the time when you can, you know, really rely on your faith when, when you mm. that, that threat. Yeah. No, that's very good. So, I mean, one of the things that Annie said was uh, right at the end there, there's no magic formula. Uh, and one of the things I think the Christians, and, you know, depending on which church you hang out in, as I suppose, um, in the in the brief time at which I've been a Christian, one of the things that I've noticed is there is a little bit of a formula that goes around where if I pray this and I have faith, then X will happen. Do you know what I mean? And, and um and one of the things that struck me about Annie's story that she said there's no magic formula and she didn't get in instantly healed. It, I mean, there was a lot of prayer going on for Annie, but she didn't get instantly healed. And there was a journey that she had to go through. Um, is that is that something that you see amongst Christians who maybe that they there is this formula in their heads that they that they're struggling yeah. with? And it depends. It depends an awful lot. As you say, it depends an awful lot on the church that you go to and there are, we are faced with, so as many of us are different, there are as many different responses by Christians mm. to the, the questions that face them, the formula that they believe in their head. So why am I not healed? Why didn't this lump disappear overnight? Because, you know, I know that God can heal. And so, those sort of questions do come up and people are often at the mercy of whatever the teaching is in their church. So I think sometimes you have to, if you get the chance and opportunity to unpack what people believe could be possible, it's good to unpack it. It's also good to say to people, well, God gave us doctors that know how to treat these things. Sometimes that's a really amazing way forward for people because there is so much that can be done particularly for breast cancer, it's not true of all cancers, but it is particularly mm. true of breast cancer, where you can have a, a bit of surgery, and I mean a bit, and you can have a tablet, and you're fine, actually, you never have another problem. So the variety of, one variety of things that people believe from what they've been told in their background, what they've experienced in their life. So there may be people that have had sisters that have died of breast cancer, or you know, there's a genetic problem in the family, which is not the most common situation. There's only about 3% of breast cancer caused by gene faults. Um, or they've got a, a minister that says, you know, we must all pray that you're going to be healed. And some people come to us saying, oh, I feel that God is telling me not to have any treatment. And you kind of feel, mm, I, I can honour your decision to have trust and faith in God but I think God would say don't not listen to the other yeah. around you that may be able to help you on this journey because that's what it is and as Chris said you know life doesn't offer us any guarantees no matter who we are you know mm. that that we don't know how long we've got what our time is like what it's going to be like if we have a really good journey Annie seems to have had a mixed journey because the treatment's so ruthless. You know, when yeah. you're having your chemo and your hair falls out and you're spending your head time with your head down the toilet, which isn't as much of a problem now because we have good treatments to stop that happening, but it does happen. And mm. people then get anxious about, am I ever going to get over this? Because I feel like death because of the treatments. It's not even because yeah. of cancer. You, you have to then take stock and if you can have that hope and that peace in your heart that God is in control, that that is so fundamentally the Christians I've seen have had something extra that many people mm. don't. So and, uh, I think that link between faith and uh, and scientific medicine is often not there in that. A lot of the scientific medics and the and people in the NHS and the doctors in the NHS wouldn't have a faith, and mm. they're very into science and would sometimes poo-poo the faith side of things. Mm. But, but equally, sometimes, again, depending on the church, perhaps and the theology, um, Christians would poo-poo 
the scientific and the medical, mm. and, and actually bringing those together, whereby each appreciates and realizes the value of the other, and that those yeah. are complementary. That you know that God has given us the you know the abilities and the knowledge and the scientific method, etc., to, to to do stuff. Uh, but equally, then prayer and relationship and the church family uh, and faith to the individual is hugely important in the whole process and in the treatment as well. And, and I think that they're, they're synergistic, and, and I think they're often seen as you know um, uh, against each other. You know? yeah. mm. That's a good work. I, I like that word synergistic. They sort of they they do sort of help each other, don't they? Yeah. And I'm. I'm assuming over the years you guys have seen all kinds of things from people recovering quite quickly to people um, just not recovering at all, even though they're expected to recover because, the, you know, this illness is not predictable, I would have thought. Um, and all kinds of outcomes can happen. Yeah. Um, so cancer is in some way an unhelpful word, um, even breast cancer. So, so again, something I would commonly say to my, my, my patients is most people have a single box with the word breast, words breast cancer written on the front. I haven't got one box with breast cancer written on the front. I've got about 50 boxes. And they're all, they're all different depending on the exact type of cancer, the exact type of patient, the age of the patient, the size of the patient, their body habitus, the size of their breasts. Um, some need, so so that there are some who have, as Sue said, um, just a, a really very straightforward day case operation and a tablet. Uh, perhaps for five years and nothing else, um, and, and are cured. Those at the other end might have uh, radiotherapy, surgery, chemotherapy, and a tablet, and an injection, and, and, and the whole treatment is much, much more uh, involved and, and a much more difficult journey. Um, mm. But we're very fortunate in breast cancer. Most, most patients are cured and, and are fine in breast cancer, so uh, we're often at a somewhat positive end of a of a difficult experience and, and i guess as a as a christian and a doctor and a nurse in some ways it's a privilege to be able to walk for a while with people on their journey and hopefully to do that uh, yeah compassionately but but to be able to offer you know very real very real hope yeah mm. and i i suppose the other thing to say is that the most breast cancer is in older women. It isn't necessarily in that younger age group. And I think we get that very mixed up in our heads because I think we think it's a disease of young women. And in fact, it's mostly a disease of women between the age of 60 and 75 and, and upwards. You know, if an, mm. an old lady comes to us with a breast lump, we know it's breast cancer without even examining them. If they're 90 mm. and they come through the door with a breast lump, it's a breast cancer. People with 90... A 90-year-old with a breast cancer has a very often very pragmatic view of the whole process. Mm. Well, I've got cancer. I mean, some of them say, oh, well, don't treat me then because I'm going to die anyway. So it's a mm. bit of a tricky, no, no, we can do surgery. We can take it. We can. So yeah. fit enough. And if you get to 90, you're usually pretty fit. And then you have those that turn their face to the wall and don't want anything you know, really resistant because of their experience, because of what they've mm. seen in hospitals, the fear. And that was something Annie talked about, you know, not having any fear it is a real bonus in it because the world is full of fear and the world mm. answer. As soon as you say that word, people are afraid and vulnerable. Mm. And, uh, and I guess that's when, it, that's when faith kicks in, isn't it? Yeah. So, mm. so I don't know, sometimes, sometimes you see Christians or churches seem to have a rather trite view of faith and, you know, it's all, it's all great while it's all marvellous, but, but actually it's in the difficult times that, you know, the rubber hits the road and it, and it yeah. works or it doesn't work and it's either true, true or it isn't and it's either meaningful to you or isn't and, um, yeah, that's very much the case with cancer or, or indeed eternal disease. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's, uh, so what I'm, one of the things I guess I've learned recently, recently, but one of the things I'm aware of is, like you say, Chris, cancer is a, is a catch-all name given to hundreds of different types of cancer, all with different outcomes and different treatableness. I don't know if treatableness is a word, but I'll make it up if it is. Um, so you've got all these different types of cancers. 
The, the thing which you've mentioned, the thing which Annie mentioned is throughout all of them, regardless of what it is you've got, you can have hope um, and you can hold on to hope, this eternal hope, as we like to call it in Christians. How have you, how would you, I guess if someone's watching this and not a Christian and they, how would you describe that hope and what does that do for them? So for me, it's about the joy of knowing Jesus. I suppose mm. that hope is fundamentally about that relationship we have with God and Jesus that means that I have this other being that I, I can depend on no matter what. So it's not about how good or bad I am. And in fact, a lot of worries that people have are because of past experiences, you know, that sin has been visited upon me that's why i've got cancer that's a very yeah. common you know misconception about you know often we get cancer because we get old and our cells yeah. don't multiply as they should so for me if, if i can if i have the opportunity if somebody asks me i will often ask them do you have a faith do you have sin? Yeah. because in my experience the faith aspect is where people know but it's not all on them. It's not all their responsibility. Mm. Somebody that's walking with them. And I would say to anybody, actually, if I have the opportunity, you know, knowing that God loves you and cares about you and his son died for you at this time can mean the difference between a good life and even a good death. Mm. So, you have to realize that we're all going to die one day. That, you know, that, that's it, isn't it? You know, and how we die is sort of our choice in a way. Um, and if we as Christians don't have any comment or any sense of being able to say to somebody, would you like me to tell you a little bit about my journey? Or, you know, can I help you? Or is there something you'd like to discuss about your spiritual side, about your journey, and that's something we are asked to explore, but many are not bold enough to explore. Because when people are fearful, they want to know about God. Mm, mm. Really want to know that there is somebody there. And that's when people say, oh, you know, would you pray for me? Even if they're not Christian, yeah. would you pray for me? Yes, the answer is yes. I'm Always. Not. Yes. But, you know, you can't, you can make, you can tell people what you can tell people with their permission. Mm. Fortunately, in the NHS, we can't preach without really being invited into that position. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's which, fair enough. I, yeah. I, I get that. I understand that. Um, but many have faith that they haven't visited for a long time. Mm. So the other thing is to ask that question, you know, have you a faith? Have mm. you had a faith? Now, some people just say no. And, you know, well, actually, this isn't going to go anywhere. But some people say, well, I used to go to Sunday school. And then you can unpack that a little bit and say, well, what, what mm. does it mean to you? And open open the door. To yeah, to, br to bring that sort of conversation of hope yeah. in. Yeah. Um, what a, um, I'm, I'm, uh, one of the things that I touched on with Annie, which I think is an important thing, is, I mean, I sit here in the comfort of my, you know, my man cave now. And I, as far as I'm aware, I don't have any form of cancer. I feel pretty healthy. Um, but I talk to a fair few people that do have cancer. Um, and so beyond what you shared already, the fact that there are different types of cancers, that quite a few of them are treatable, that there is this thing called hope uh, in the gospel. Annie touched on a few things, you know, practical things that can help, that I could do to help somebody with cancer. But what have you seen in your years of experience? You, you deal with people that have cancer all the time. What are some of the things that I need to be aware of when helping, um, talking to, getting alongside people that have been diagnosed with cancer? Um, so I think people don't become a cancer. Mm. And, I, and I need to remember that every day when I see a patient. But, but actually that applies for, for you and everyone else. So they're still a mum. Um, they're still worrying about their kids and they're still doing the packed lunch. Um, they're still a dad. They're still a grandparent, whatever it is. So some of the stuff that, that Annie said actually about um, actually sharing your own life and experience still. Don't, don't suddenly turn this person into a cancer patient. 
Um, but there's, there's still a human being who is going through life's journey with a new, different challenge. And, and I think it's, don't, don't be afraid um, to talk, ask questions, ask sensitively, you know, be aware, offer help, but, but don't, don't, don't retreat, I think. And, mm. and, and people, you know, people can, life hasn't ended, you know, don't, don't bring a premature, you know, if, it, if it's a nasty cancer that can't be treated, don't bring a premature death, you know, you, you can still laugh, you can still have fun, you can still go out, you can still worry because, you know, your teenager's got a spotty youth who, you, you, you know, is in, unsuitable, you know, you're still worrying about those things, you can still talk about mm. still went to see the cinema, went to the cinema and saw a good film or a bad film. And so, so I think just, yeah, for me, people are still people. And, and you can laugh about the ball patch, and, you know, where, where, yeah. where patients, I will often uh, comment on people's hair, actually. So, so after the chemotherapy, when the hair first grows back, it's often curly. So people who've always had straight hair will often have uh, curly hair. So quite a lot, it suits quite a lot of women actually, just when, when they've got really short hair, which only perhaps a mm. centimeter long, but curly, and I'll often comment on it. And, it. and I suppose a little bit of that to say, rather than, you know, like, always be, be afraid just to, oh, you know, that looks good, or what's that like, or, you know, yeah. Know that's that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fascinating. And listen, listen. Yeah, listen. Yeah. You know, mm. people, so, we did some psychological studies on um, what women did in, in response to having a diagnosis. And without, without fail, most women were protective of their family. So they didn't tell their family what was going on until things were <clears throat> quite a long way down. Now, with Annie, her, her situation is amazingly secure and sort of mature in faith and everything. But if you're a new Christian, you may not really know your church very well. You may want to protect all your family, but you know, mm. suffer if, or feel bad if you're ill. You know, it, we are very naturally protective of family. Um, so it does make a difference when you can be a friend. Mm. When I say, you know, if you have a friend, don't not be a friend. Do you know, don't ignore mm. or don't, worry about what the right thing is to say um, and this is a, a non-sequitur but it was it's a, a similar sort of scenario and a friend of mine was grieving because her best friend had had a down syndrome baby at the same time she'd had a baby and her friend with the down syndrome baby had no congratulations on the birth of your baby cards mm. I suspect because people were ignorant and didn't really know how much that would hurt that mum. Mm. But it's the same sort of thing that we do sometimes with a cancer diagnosis. We don't know what to say, so we don't say anything. And we're not the friend that we should be. Yeah. So really what we need to do is be the friend that we should be and mm. forget about our own fear of saying the wrong thing and be the person that listens and, yeah. and praise again. Yeah, that's, that's top advice here. And I, there has been many occasions where I've just looked at somebody and, go, and just said, I genuinely don't know what to say right now. And I think that just breaks the ice, um, you know, and, and, and usually good conversations ensue afterwards. So um, uh, I'm aware of, like I said, I'm aware of time and, and, and we're quickly running out of it. Um, but is there anything... Uh, from your experience that maybe Annie has not covered that may be worth sharing or that we've not covered here in Conversation Street? Um, any sort of final thoughts? There's one thing that's coming into my brain uh, to say is we, we, we did another research study asking uh, slightly bizarrely and counterintuitively, to use a fancy phrase, um, uh, whether people, whether there were good outcomes from having cancer. And perhaps surprisingly, 70 or 80 percent of of our breast cancer patients, and again, mm. it's a particular group, that there were positive outcomes from having cancer. Mm. And it was often around life priorities, and, you know, things like the cleaning. I, what, why do I spend all this time doing the cleaning? You know, there's, there's more to life than this. And, it, and it's actually that whole business of that existential threat of 
well, actually, I am mortal. I'm not going to be here forever. You know, the, the, the breast cancer has gone now, but actually I now suddenly realise in a real way that, that I'm mortal. Where are my priorities? You know, what do I really value? What do I want to spend my time on? So that for an awful lot of people, that they've actually had positive outcomes from, you know, what, what's clearly a, a difficult and worrying uh, time for yeah. pregnancy. So. And normalising things for you, your new normal, mm. getting used to what your new normal is, and in Christian terms, being thankful for who that has made mm. who you are, because you know, because God has made us really, and we can trust Him for our yeah. rest of our lives, if you like. It's easy mm. for us, though. We, it's always easier for us to sit at the other end of this and, and comfort people and talk to people and listen to people. We're not on the end of having to live with it. But we do, we do recognise what, what people have done themselves mm. uh, to progress their lives and to, to go forward. And hey, should it be that like many of my little old ladies that died of, of other things, not breast cancer, but I knew really well because I'd be visiting them at home, they were just always so grateful for somebody that came around and talked to them and, you know, was in their house. And we talked at church this morning about loneliness and don't let people be lonely in their mm. troubles, you know, whoever they are. And however yeah. that is, we need to be there. The people. That's what yeah. we need to do to walk it, walk in their shoes if we can. Absolutely, uh, Susan uh, Otten has put here in the comments. Uh, I, in response to not knowing what to say, you show up and you shut up uh, on always words, which I think is very, very fair, um, very, very wise. Thank you, Susan, for that. Um, Chris, Sue, I feel like as always, we are just scraping the tip of the iceberg uh, on such a massive topic. Um, and I think probably it's worth saying if you have been affected by cancer and you would like someone to pray with you or stand with you, we would love to do that. You can reach us through the website crowd.church um, and you can get hold of us via email or via the WhatsApp. Um, it, it's such a hard topic because it doesn't always end well uh, and that's the that's the thing but again we come back to this point that both you guys have made and that um annie made uh, that as christians we always have hope um i had the very sad news today uh of a friend of mine who is just a beautiful person uh an, an elderly lady she passed away um and the daughter who was telling me about the fact that she'd passed away just followed it up with but she is now in heaven with her Lord and Savior Jesus. And that's the eternal hope that we have, that this is part one, that there is a part two. Uh, and uh, Annie called it the second death. We, 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 do, get to, uh, we do get to go to heaven. Um, and as much as I'll miss this person, and I will, uh, there is that hope and there is that comfort of knowing that. Um, so Chris and Sue, thank you so much uh, for being with us. Uh, that's it from us here at Crowd Church. As I said, if you want to reach out to us, if you'd like someone to pray with you or to talk to, uh, you can get a hold of us at crowd.church. We would love to hear from you. We will be back next week as we, well, normal service will be resumed as we go with our traditional format of a talk uh, and then Conversation Street. Uh, what does the Bible say about truth? Sharon, uh, my uh, amazing wife, has recorded that talk. We are going to get into that. Uh, which will be, uh, well, knowing Sharon, it's going to be a bit full on. So I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, there'll be no uh, no holds barred, as they say. So what does the Bible say about truth? We are getting into that next week. Do join us. Make sure you like and subscribe uh, the stuff here at Crowd Church, and we would uh, we, you'll get that little notification when we go live. So uh, Chris, Sue, thank you so much. Thank we you. are going to close now with some worship. Um, what a beautiful name it is. At the end of this song... Uh, the live stream will end automatically. So I will see you next week. Chris, Sue, bless you. Bye for now. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. You're hidden.
Oh